to servicemen and women everywhere. The Armed Forces Radio Service presents this, your special broadcast commemorating victory. On it, your Commander-in-Chief, the President of the United States, will deliver a special message to you, the men and women of the victorious Armed Forces, at home, abroad, and on the high seas. We take you first to Washington for an invocation by Brigadier General Luther D. Miller, Chief of Chaplains, United States Army. Almighty God, with grateful hearts we bow to give thee thanks for the victory which thou hast given to us and our allied nations. In this, our hour of triumph, may we not lose sight of the opportunity which we have won, but may we give ourselves anew to thy service for the welfare of all mankind. Remember, O God, all who have suffered in battle. Heal the wounded, comfort the sorrowing, restore the oppressed, encourage the anxious, and guide with thy might all who seek to serve their fellow men. May we be worthy of the sacrifice of those who gave themselves for this moment, and may the heartaches and sorrows of the years which have passed find relief in the joy of peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Yep, the shooting's over. Big guns are stilled. Once again, a bazooka is something Robin Burns plays on his radio program. And the tank is what you fill up at a gasoline station. No coupons necessary. A lot of husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and mothers, are closer together tonight than they've been in four long years. Thank God it's over. Crosby again. Thanksgiving came early this year, in September, and it's being celebrated today throughout the free world. In the bitter years just past, a lot of families have been separated. Families of individuals and families of nations. Now we're getting back together again. It's a little early for an all-out get-together on the front porch. We can't all throw our arms around each other's shoulders and sing all Lang Syne. Too many round-trip tickets to be punched first. But we've got most of the radio stations in the world tied together tonight. Sort of a Marconi handshake across a couple of oceans. We're offering thanks together tonight, all of us at home and all of us away from home. Diana, how about one of the greatest Thanksgiving songs of them all?
have a couple of guys here tonight who really know something about this war. One of them is Private First Class Alton L. Bouchard, combat infantryman. He's been in the Pacific a long time. He was on Saipan. He fought in the Leyte campaign and in the battle for Okinawa. And just 48 hours ago, he landed on home soil from the Pacific. You'll hear briefly from him later on. The other guy I'm talking about is Bill Malden. Since I've been back in these states, I've realized how much the people at home have come to understand what went on out there. One man did an awful lot to give the world that understanding. His name was Ernie Pyle. Anybody, civilian or soldier, who has spent any time overseas knows how the doggies felt about Ernie. Not long ago, he wrote what he thought about this day of victory. Here is one of Ernie Pyle's best friends to read it to you, Bob Hope. It will seem odd when, at some given hour, the shooting stops and everything changes again. It will be odd to drive down an unknown road without that little knot of fear in your stomach. Odd not to listen with animal-like alertness for the meaning of every distant sound. Odd to have your spirit released from the perpetual weight that is compounded of fear and death and dirt and anguish. We have won this war because our men are brave and because of many other things. Because of Russia and England and China and the passage of time and the gift of nature's materials. We did not win it because destiny created us better than all other peoples. I hope that in victory we are more grateful than we are proud. All of us together will have to learn how to reassemble our broken world into a pattern so firm and so fair that another great war cannot soon be possible. Most of us don't pretend to know the right answer. All we can do is fumble and try once more, try out of the memory of our anguish, and be as tolerant with each other as we can. That's the idea. That's what today is all about. And here's a young fellow with another way of saying the same thing. Frank Sinatra. What is America to me? A name, a man, or a flag I see. A certain word, democracy. What is America to me? The house I live in, a plot of earth, a street, the grocer and the butcher, and the people that I meet, the children in the playground. The faces that I see, all races and religions, that's America to me. The place I work in, the worker by my side, the little town or city where my people lived and died. The howdy and the handshake, the air of feeling free in 
the right to speak my mind out That's America to me The things I see about me The big things and the small The little corner newsstand And the house a mile tall The wedding and the churchyard The laughter and the tears And the dream that's been a-growing For a hundred and fifty years The town I live in The street, the house, the room The pavement of the city Or a garden all in The church, the school, the clubhouse, the million lights I see, but especially the people that's America to Maybe on this day of victory, you're looking back, remembering, adding it all up. Take, for instance, the early days. Who's ever going to forget the Louisiana maneuvers, or for that matter, basic training and boot camps, from Dix to San Diego, Benning, Bragg, Butner, Barkley, Farragut, Roberts, Great Lakes, Quantico, 48 states worth of KP. Close shaved heads, sore feet, CPOs, and top kicks. And those three rules governing camp behavior. If it's moving, salute it. Yes, sir. And if it's not moving, pick it up. Yes, sir. And if you can't pick it up, paint it. Yes, sir. Oh, my aching back. A lot of times you were singing in the showers, on the march. When you first hit camp, I know you limbered up on this one. I've been working on the railroad all the live long day. I've been working on the Pictures of the pinup gals became the prevailing motif in the G.I. boudoirs. And the song that became the theme song for the provocative babes was undoubtedly the following Miss Frances Langford. 
Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Anyone else but me. Anyone else but me. No, no, no. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me till I come marching home. I just got word from a guy who heard from a guy next door to me. Met just love to pet, and it fits you to a tea. So don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me till I come marching home. I've got sixpence, jolly jolly sixpence. I've got sixpence to last me all my life. Ah, yes. But in every camp in the nation, no other song became quite so dear to the hearts of every G.I. as this lovely, sensitive, sentimental ballad. The biscuits in the army, they say, are very fine. One rolled off the table and filled a pal of mine. is being made mighty fast these days, almost faster than we can read it. And in a way, there's a bit of history being made with this program. First of all, of course, we've got a mighty important and popular American in Washington talking to a lot of other Americans in uniform all over the world. But there's something else special about this as an armed forces radio show. There have been a good many thousands of those shows in the last three and a half years, but they've been broadcast only on your facilities to you men and you women overseas. Command performance, and a long list of other service shows, together with all the regular top programs from all the networks, have carried a hunk of home that was American radio to you guys and gals in foxholes and Quonsets and Nissen huts, all the way from the Galapagos to Iwo Jima, from Reykjavik to Berlin, from Panama to Shunking. This one time, we're at in Portland and Peoria and Brooklyn, USA. The radio job for overseas in this man's war called for a combined operation. Not only for the Army and Navy, but for the whole radio industry. And that's what it's been. Artists, technicians, advertisers, networks, independent radio stations, picture studios, everybody who had anything to do with American entertainment pitched in on the job. In a sincere effort, in order that you overseas and on the seas got the most of the best of the radio of these United States. All of radio has been at the command of you servicemen and women. Your requests have come in from the APOs and the FPOs, and the answers go out on a huge schedule, which includes every type of radio program. A request comes in on V-mail. The answer goes out on the radio lanes of the world. Francis Langford, for example, singing this hymn of thanksgiving, accompanied by Major Meredith Wilson and the Armed Forces Radio Service Orchestra. 
is Private First Class Al Bouchard. I have the great honor of introducing our Commander-in-Chief, the President of the United States. Men and women of the Armed Forces, I'm speaking to you, the Armed Forces of the United States, as I did after V-Day in Europe, at a high moment of history. The war to which we have devoted all the resources and all the energy of our country for more than three and a half years has now produced total victory over all our enemies. This is a time for great rejoicing and a time for solemn contemplation. With the destructive force of war removed from the world, we can turn now to the grave task of preserving the peace which you gallant men and women have won. It is a task which requires our most urgent attention. It is one in which we must collaborate with our allies and the other nations of the world. They are as determined as we are that war must be abolished from the earth if the earth as we know it is to remain. Civilization cannot survive another total war. I think you know what is in the hearts of your countrymen on this night. They are thousands of miles away from most of you, yet they are close to you in deep gratitude and in a solemn sense of obligation. They remember, and I know they will never forget, those who have gone from among you, those who are maimed, those who, thank God, are still safe after years of fighting and suffering and danger. And I know that in this hour of victory, their thoughts, like yours, are with your departed Commander-in-Chief, Franklin D. Roosevelt. This is the hour for which he so gallantly fought and so bravely died. I think I know the American soldier and sailor. He does not want gratitude or sympathy. He had a job to do. He did not like it, but he did it. And how he did it. Now he wants to come back home and start again the life he loves, a life of peace and quiet, the life of the civilian. But he wants to know that he can come back to a good life. He wants to know that his children will not have to go back to the life of the foxhole and the bomber, the battleship and the submarine. I speak in behalf of all your countrymen when I pledge you that we shall do everything in our power to make those wishes come true. For some of you, I'm sorry to say, military service must continue for a time. We must keep an occupation force in the Pacific to clean out the militarism of Japan, just as we are cleaning out the militarism of Germany. The United Nations are determined that never again shall either of those countries be able to attack its peaceful neighbors. But the great majority of you will be returned to civilian life as soon as the ships and planes can get you here. The task of moving so many men and women thousands of miles to their homes is a gigantic one. It will take months to accomplish. You have my pledge that we will do everything possible to speed it up. We want you back here with us to make your contribution to our country's welfare and to a new world of peace. 
the high tide of victory will carry us forward to great achievements in the era which lies ahead. But we can perform them only in a world which is free from the threat of war. We depend upon you, who have known war in all its horror, to keep this nation aware that only through cooperation among all nations can any nation remain wholly secure. On this night of total victory, we salute you of the armed forces of the United States, wherever you may be. What a job you have done. We are all waiting for the day when you will be home with us again. Good luck, and God bless you. Thank you, Mr. President. This is Frank Sinatra. For Americans, there have been four Christmases at war. The first was the darkest one, Christmas 1941. By Christmas 1942, a faint glimmer of hope appeared, and the giant weapons began to come out of the forge to take shape and to move into striking position with others united. Christmas 1943 and the crossing of the Atlantic and signs even then that the Pacific might again someday hold title to its name. Christmas 1944 with victory in Europe in sight and a tidal wave moving toward the east. Christmas 1945 will be the Christmas we have all prayed so earnestly for. A Christmas of peace and hope. A white Christmas. Bing? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow Of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your day be merry Yeoman Third Class William Welch has written a prayer for this day of victory. Orson Welles will read it. We join in spirit around the world as these words are spoken. O God of battle and peace, for the blessings of this day, for the lives that have been spared, for the prayers that have been answered, thank you from a full and humble heart. In this, the hour of peace, remember those, O oh God, who gave so much and asked so little. 
hear the voices of these men rising from the jungles of New Guinea and the Solomons, from the blood-soaked soil of Iwo Jima and the flame-scorched caves of Okinawa, hear the chorus of their thanks from the mass of wreckage at Salerno and the twisted rubble that was once a German town. Across the length and breadth of every continent, from the hell-scarred places where they fell, their voices in thanksgiving rise. In memory of these and all the other men and women of the world who bled and died, that we might see this day, men of myriad tongues, of myriad faiths, and many races, men who had in common the love of dignity and freedom. To these, the citizens of Earth, we dedicate our future and our lives. Give us strength, O God, and wisdom to use the gift that was so dearly bought with blood and toil and tears. Take you now to Washington for the benediction by Rear Admiral William N. Thomas, Chief of Chaplains, United States Navy. Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. This program has reached you over the major networks and independent stations of the United States of America and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service.